Hi, I'm Brittany Ashley, your host of Breaking Norms, Building Dreams, your guide through this transformative journey in both business and life. This is your place crafted for dreamers, doers, or anyone who has been told they can't. Get ready as we challenge those narratives together. You're tuning in live to the United Public Radio Network, airing on 105.3 and 107.7 FM in New Orleans. We are streaming on all the popular platforms every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Join me for a candid and thought-provoking conversation celebrating your unique journey because you are worth it. Good afternoon. Welcome to Breaking Norms, Building Dreams. I'm your host today, Brittany Ashley. Uh, If you don't know who I am, you're going to get to know me a little bit in this show. Today is Monday, January 8th. And we're broadcasting live on the United Public uh, Radio Network and UFO Paranormal Radio Network at 105.3 and 107.7 FM in New Orleans. And today I'm calling in from Victoria, BC. Uh, It's 12 here. Uh, It's a little chilly, but I'm really excited to uh, have our guest speaker, Adriana, to come in and come and talk to us about my show and also who she is as well. So Adriana should be coming in any moment. Good afternoon, everybody. Hi, Brittany. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thanks for coming. I'm like having my own imposter syndrome right now. <laughs> he told you, uh, just winging it. And <laughs> jumping in both feet first. That's how everybody does it. Remember, fake it till you make it. Yes, 100%. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in uh, to chat with me today. As some of you might know, Adriana from Negotiating Happiness, who comes in at 1 p.m. before the show and then comes in and talks about all things business life and all of that. So let's just do a quick introduction of who you are, Adriana, and then we'll dig in deep. Wonderful. So I am Adriana from OntarioAssistant.com. I'm an online business manager. So um, it kind of ties in with my show a little bit where we talk about entrepreneurship, parenting, and kind of what makes us happy as entrepreneurs. Um, But on my work side of life, it's more about making um, entrepreneurs' lives a little bit easier. I specialize in operations and helping them get systems set up and basically helping them create a business that they can walk away from and still run and be profitable and kind of make this whole struggle and hustle worth it. So that's kind of in a nutshell what I do. We lean a little bit towards tech. We lean a little bit towards, you know, marketing, the business principles, depending on where the business is and where it needs to be. So we are BFFs with with businesses. Yes. And I can totally relate to a lot of the things that you just said as well, because I wear many hats like you do. Not only are you a mom, but you also run your own business, but also too, I uh, do all the same things on Creative Dynamics. And so we just have always had synergy when I was on your show at Negotiating Happiness. Would love you to tell more people on your show. Um, You're the different guest speakers. So then if anybody, if you're looking for anybody, then they can outreach to you as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've been really fortunate. I've had some really interesting um, speakers, you know, uh, authors. Um, I've had coaches. I've had, I tried to kind of delve a little bit into the, uh, sometimes the spiritual. I feel like it goes, it flows really well with the station. Um, But also because I personally think it ties in with a lot of our 
um, you know, psychology. So it's actually, it's spiritual, but it's also science related, right? Like it ties into um, how we run our businesses, how, what outlook we have on life, on parenting, on everything else. So I, I kind of like to have an array of people on. Um, yeah. I mean, we've had uh, Megan Reed, who just put out a, a book. We've had Zach Fagenberg, he put out a book. Um, I just finished an episode actually with Motion.io's co-founder, Sam, Sam yeah. Schlebowski. Yeah. And again it's it just kind of varies but everything is geared towards how to help entrepreneurs how to deal with all the other things that kind of go around and i have a feeling your show is going to be um fairly similar and you're going to have some really interesting guests why don't you why i would love oh. to know well, i'd love to yeah. know what kind of guests you're going to have <laughs> what are we going to do over here um yeah. <laughs> let's dive in um for who 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 doesn't know me or haven't watched Negotiating Happiness, I'll just do a quick little a montage of who I am, who is Brittany Ashley. As I mentioned, I wear many hats. I'm the owner founder of a company called Creative Dynamic Virtual Services, which we match you to your perfect virtual assistant or online business manager. And really at the end of the day, we're kind of doing similar things what Adriana is doing as well. We do system setups, um, online business management support, project management, administration, Pretty much you name it, we can do it. The only thing that's different is that we're team-based. So if uh, that one team member can't do X, Y, and Z, you'll reach out to me and then I'll bring in somebody else to kind of segue in to do maybe a, a special Excel spreadsheet and whatsoever. Um, so that's a bit about Creative Dynamics, but I did start the business to help moms work from home, which is a big part of my life. I have two little ones. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So they do keep me busy, um, but I love them, I adore them. I feel like I always have to keep on keeping on <laughs> to keep on the busyness. It's but hard. I, it's hard for whoever is out there listening. This stuff is hard. <laughs> I I tend to thrive off of it, I guess, in a way. Uh, I did start the business literally with my eight-month-old daughter by my side, and now it's we're coming on five years, which is crazy. And yes, like any kind of business entrepreneur life, it's a roller coaster, but you just kind of have to grab on both hands and go for the ride and have like such a positive mindset to get your brain once you're going through those struggles to kind of, okay, today's a low point. What can I do to the next point to get to the next hurdle? Um, right. So with, with that, uh, when I was started my first uh, kind of overall journey, um, I figured out that there was a lot of of the women on my team were experiencing imposter syndrome, not feeling like they were good enough, not thinking that they were overall really being their best selves. And I truly believe that everyone can be their best self. We just need to give them the platform to be their best selves and ask those curious questions to make sure they're feeling comfortable. Um, so with that, I guess I'm a leader. <laughs> I make sure that everybody's comfortable on the team, but I moved forward and became a certified imposter syndrome coach, a certified business coach. So then I can make sure that I'm there for the team in um, more ways than one. I love to challenge myself to wear multiple hats. I love to learn and always move that momentum. And how breaking norms and building dreams started is overall, I really thought that, um, when I more or less when I went through my coaching journey is that I always was told that I can't do anything. And I think that's kind of where I'm like, no, I can tell myself that I can't do anything, but 
you don't have the right to tell me yes or no <laughs> kind of situation. And then, oh, you're going to say something, Adriana? No, I was just thinking, like, how many women go through that? How many women are told that? Like, this is such a relevant point of your show, I think. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people will um, resonate with it, right? Like, how many times have you been told, oh, no, like, you're not going to be able to do that? Or, or just no, without any explanation, you know? Like, you've just yeah. been turned down for whatever opportunity without an explanation. I think this is why your platform is so important, to show people that, hey, I've gone through exactly the same thing. This is how I navigated and this is how we're not going to like gatekeep. We're not going to, you know, we're going to help each other out to get where we are. So this is amazing. And I'm so glad that I'm able to be on your show. Yeah, 100%. I'm so happy to have you here. I feel like we're, we have so much synergy. And I think this is not going to be the first show. I think you and I will kind of navigate what that's going to look like, but kind of go back between both shows and try to yeah. segue through different topics. Because I think there's just so many topics that you and I have in common, not just a mom, uh, but so many <laughs> other things. The one topic that we didn't really touch on is neurodiversity. And that's another piece that I really want to bring into the show a bit more. I want to bring different experts in. I am not an expert. However, um, I was diagnosed very young with dyslexia at age six, seven, I believe. And so that's kind of like the part of my journey of being told like I was never good enough. So really, it probably stemmed from like grade two from what I can remember of teachers not understanding what neurodiversity is and or what dyslexia is or whichever and just kind of like stagnant you into that box so you can't actually be like your true person that you should be. And so when linking back to my whole coaching uh, journey, I felt like I was just always getting pushed and they weren't giving me like the extra time to do my certification or anything like that doing um, for, I generally speaking, I need six hours to do an exam. Usually what I was always given in university or school, because that's usually how the brain works. Some could relate maybe from the anxiety part with dyslexia. It just takes so much longer for you to read something and you have to read yeah. it multiple times to comprehend it. And it's like, so once you have that time meter on a test, and then you have the anxiety factor on it. That's just like kabam. Like you're just you, you can't even think straight to be honest, just because totally. you're, you're so totally. stressed out. And I wanted to totally agree with what you said a little while ago about how it all started with like your teachers in elementary school telling yeah. you that you can't do something. And that is so important because it comes from a lack of knowledge and understanding, like you said. Mm -hmm. They didn't know what they were talking about. But the problem is you as like a second grader, you're not going to realize that. So you're just going to keep taking in this wrong information and you're going to start acting it out or you're going to start forming your own personality, your you what you think your abilities are based on this information. So it's it's kind of a comment on our education system and mm -hmm. how we need to deal with these things really early on it's not just a comment right to a child this could be detrimental right so it's crazy to me that people haven't figured that out right and i know that i have a child but even before i had a child i understood this i did a lot of work with kids in camps and there were a lot of kids that came from really normal like 
some of them were from privileged families some of them were from not so privileged families normal what you'd consider normal whatever that is or whatever you wouldn't consider abnormal and they all had very similar issues so obviously the outside environment really um shapes you you as a person right like you know how they say that it takes a village to raise somebody the yeah. problem is is like as moms we don't always have control over who that village is yeah right that. that's yeah. so true and sometimes you have to find the hard way who right. your village is or even you you might think who your village is and then it can totally switch like when I first had my daughter, I was like so excited. Like, I'm going to go into all these mom groups. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then I just found it was horrible. It was, that's also like triggers on imposter syndrome too. <laughs> if you're like type A, like you want to be like the perfect mom, or maybe um, you're at the other part of being like imposter syndrome is like you always have to read all the books and like ace the test and all the things. Uh, yeah. It's it's like a handful of triggers. And so I just never really got along really in the mom groups. And I end up segmenting myself away when I had my second child. And right. to be honest, I feel so much more confident. And like, I'm always trying to like Google things, not don't get me wrong. <laughs> but we, I'll use, we use the, we use the, um, we use the resources that we have uh, exactly. available to us just because we don't, quite mesh with somebody doesn't mean that we're not doing the best that we can for our child and I feel like that's such a huge lesson to learn when you first become a mom it's like you don't have to be like you don't have to adopt anybody else's parenting style you just have to do whatever you think is best for your child right so I mean what what else is there like if you don't vibe with somebody you don't vibe with them it doesn't mean that you're not part of the group this is in high school it's not about popularity it's not about you know, oh, you can't do it that way. Like, I'll give you a, I'll give you an example that is this is probably going to like a lot of people, are, if their moms are probably going to be screaming at this. But this is a perfect example yeah. that I learned later. You know, when you use uh, like the community of um, uh, for like car seat safety is huge. And there are entire mm -hmm. groups dedicated to this of just moms that literally read up on this stuff like day in and day out which I totally appreciate. That wasn't me. Me, I just, I did, when I first got a car seat, I went on those groups and then I felt, I felt like I had to leave because there was so much aggression towards people yep. posting pictures and asking for help that I was like, I can't deal with that. So I did my research. I knew how to do it. I used my booklet for my manual from, you know, the car, the car seat that came with it. And then I realized somebody said something to me that stuck with me. You know, you're supposed to take off like winter jackets for kids and to be able to, get it tight yeah. well I met a mom who didn't and my immediate reaction wasn't to be like that's wrong was I asked her why and I'm so glad I did so we lived in the country at the time so she said to me that it takes like eight to ten minutes sometimes for a ambulance to get dispatched from a different town because we were so small we didn't have our own that if something happened and she was unconscious and she couldn't get to the back and it's the middle of winter and there's like snow whiteouts everywhere that ambulance might not make it there for like an hour and your kid could literally die from um, being too cold in the car 
or to getting hypothermia or whatever else, right? So she weighed out the risk factors and said, we live in the country. This is where I drive most of the time. My kid's going to have their, she's like, I don't buy the huge puffy ones, but they're going to have their winter jacket on and I'll put it as tight as I can. And that was just so eye-opening to me that that to me made sense because I also lived in the country. But if you were to talk to one of those moms that were yeah. crazy, they would be like, absolutely not. You will be responsible for the death of your child. And that's something crazy to say to a new mom. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It is insane to say that to somebody that's new. I, I can take it a little bit better now. I mean, Zach is three. But if I was like hormonal and just going in, it's not, that's just, if that's not your vibe, yeah. it's not your vibe for a reason. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it's maybe how you um, think about asking curious questions than just mm -hmm. on attack of like, that's right. Like, you're like, crazy. Wrong. Yeah. yeah, you're crazy. That's wrong. Don't do it. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. It's that's, kind of the same in business, too, if you think about it. it yep. 100%. And that's like the things that we were practicing with. Um, I'm trying to, I've taken so many coaching courses in the last bit, I'm trying to remember, but Everybody is kind of ingrained in judgmental mind frame, no matter what. It's, um, it's a, I wish I could remember the name of the program. I'll have to think of this. It, it's um, about biases, right? What is it called? Uh, um, now, I'm, now my words are going out the window. Um, unconscious biases, right? Yes. And, but we're all kind of shaped in a different way of um, like, like these different five pillars. And like for me, for example, um, I strive from perfectionism and then it's also judgment. I'm trying to remember all the different cues, but the thing is you work on yourself, like it's an app and you work on yourself of like, instead of seeing that person not tying their shoe, how can you change your mind frame of why haven't they tried like tie their shoe? like asking more curious questions than coming in from a judgmental state. Because unfortunately, we're always going to have that in the back of our brain a little bit. Um, but it's just how we can reframe it than going in complete tack mode. And that's that's very true, too, for um, a business mindset, right? Like it's it's the same way. It's the same thing with trying to reframe things, trying to reframe questions or issues that you might have and that works a lot in my field too. Like when you have an issue, it's not necessarily an issue. It might be an opportunity for me to literally unpack all of your operations and just detangle everything and make everything work 10 times better. And that could have stemmed from this one thing that you just couldn't get over, yes. right? So it's kind of the same, it relates. And it's, especially with, um, this is what they say. They say that sometimes neurodiverse brains have a different way of thinking and mm -hmm. I personally think that that's very helpful because sometimes I see connections in things that people don't yep. where it's not helpful is that it sometimes takes me a little bit longer to explain exactly what's going on in my brain and people are like I don't get it right so that takes a little bit of work but the initial part I think it's like a superpower I think that it allows me to to find these systems and be like you think it goes this way but it actually it's like goes behind and this is how you're able to connect everything right like from from getting leads on your website to creating a process to putting that process into a CRM and then linking it back to like your billing your project management your and sometimes people's brains don't work like that but mine does yeah right and I think so that's because I've hired Adriana to come in to help my systems because I know, like, I was at level of burnout 
which is a very important uh, topic to kind of know when you are at that level of burnout, because once you hit it, it's really hard to come back from it. But knowing like your different cues of what is burnout for you, because it's different for everybody. That's why I reached out to you because I was like, I know exactly how to build the system. I've done so many systems. I know how to do X, Y, and Z, but I am at burnout. My brain can't even figure out how to do X to Z right now. Sorry, losing my voice. And so that's why I reached out to you. And I was like, I need you to help me because I know you'll understand my brain where I'm going with this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's huge. It's so huge. Like sometimes people can't work together because of that missing component. And I think... I think it goes down to who your ideal clients are and who's your target market, right? 100%. Yeah, Um, totally. And again, it's not that because you can't do it. And I find it with a lot of entrepreneurs, especially moms, because we're geared towards like, we're expected to do so many things at the same time. And we're told Mm -hmm. that like, you can just multitask. But now knowing better, we know that the brain can't actually multitask. You're Mm -hmm. just using very little bandwidth for everything instead of being super efficient at something else but that's what's expected of moms so i feel like if you take a mom that's also an entrepreneur and you like combine it together you're gonna get somebody who's like well i can do my own graphics i can do my own socials i can build my own website i can build my own system it's like yeah you can but Mm -hmm. should you is like a totally different question of like I've been there too, you know, like right where you are, where it's like, I need help. Like I need help badly. I need somebody to take these pieces away from me because my brain just can't function anymore and then still be productive at what the actual client work is. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Totally. Uh, I would want to circle back to one of your comments about the, the school districts. This might be mm. a hot topic for a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm a mom who just has a, a little one going to kindergarten their first year. I'm very like hyper vigilant on like all the different things that are like what I need to do in place because like I mentioned, like I was diagnosed at a young age with um, dyslexia. And so with all my kids, I put them at a very young age to Queen Alexander if they weren't hitting the milestones. And I just right. really want to reiterate to people um it's good to like kind of watch the milestones but you don't have to like be like oh like sitting there with a checklist and i wasn't necessarily doing that but i know that with um the qa that you need to make sure you reach certain milestones and it's good to gauge it now because then you can get that support right away with them versus if you fall into the system because there's systems you can't get that support and you have to wait until they get to a certain age so both my kids actually have been with the qa at at least I would say uh, my daughter has been with the QA since eight months, maybe six months, actually, six months. Um, And then my son has been with QA since like a newborn because we're struggling with uh, feeding and sensitivity and all that. Can you can you describe a little bit for listeners that maybe are not Mm -hmm. local what QA is? Sorry, Queen Alexander system. So this is kind of like Queen. There's a QA Queen Alexander uh, hospital here for the children, but they also have a health network here in Victoria and I think in other provinces Mm -hmm. um, where you can kind of go and get that extra support for when you're just like a new mom and or support groups. Um, I did suffer a lot from postpartum with my daughter. And so 
I had that network there with my daughter and they, they offered that for free. So it's good to kind of like take a look to see if it's in your general area. Um, I believe it's all in like a program, right? Yeah. 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 Versus having to pay because things do cost a lot and they add up very fast. Um, but going back to that, both kiddos have been in, in um, the system for a very long time. And so I made sure that my daughter did a little bit extra uh, assessments before we moved forward and got her ready for kindergarten. And now she, we have all this stuff in place. So if she get, cause dyslexia is hereditary. ADHD is oh, hereditary. I didn't know that. I mean, I can believe that, but I didn't know that dyslexia was. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I, apparently, um, I'm not an expert by any means. <laughs> Just call no, we, you, Everybody needs to do their own research, but this is what we've read. <laughs> we will bring in experts. I promise you on the show uh, who can, educate more uh but this yeah. is just from my google searching of <laughs> google land um however from searching i have found that dyslexia is hereditary and adhd and other neurodiversities and majority of the time if you're diagnosed with one and if they're hyper focused on the one they might not catch something else so i really think um because there's dyslexia and then I'm self-diagnosed with ADHD and it came more present with after having my son. Um, Can I make a comment on that? The, I know that you were, you were so careful to say that you're self-diagnosed with ADHD. So mm -hmm. it's not like a trend. I want people to understand this. When yeah. I contacted my doctor about getting um, diagnosed with ADHD, he basically looked at me and said, well, I can either give you a questionnaire that you can fill out, which is a one page questionnaire, or we can get you on a list to talk to a specialist at some point that might be next year. And then they're going to have to do a bunch of assessments with you. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and it was like completely not feasible, not um, approachable. And if anybody knows anything like where I'm in Ontario, so um, Brittany is in BC, British Columbia, Canada, I'm in Ontario, Canada. I feel like Canada has a problem with, you know, accessing specialists because it is true certain um, uh, specialties don't have a lot of specialists available depending on your geographical area as well. And when you get, um, you know, a, a referral, that's how it works here, you get a referral from your GP, your general practitioner, your doctor, family doctor to go to these places, it takes almost a year. So what he did is he just did this questionnaire and I feel like saying that too, that I am self-diagnosed, but doing all the research and like listening to people like you that have more experience in it and basically ticking off boxes of like, yeah, that happens. Yeah, that happens. And then having aha moments of like, I got flashbacks from university when I was like, what is wrong with me? Why can't I just sit down and do it? And I had such a hard time. And when I did it, it wasn't that the content was hard. I loved the content. I did really well. It was just that issue of like dopamine, serotonin, like the lack of, and I didn't know what to do. So I just went through university and struggled and made it extra long because I didn't know I had that. So that's kind of like a really long winded what's going on in our healthcare system that we have to self-diagnose. You know what I mean? <laughs> And that's also part of the show. Let's like break those barriers down and talk about it because the more we talk about it, then we're going to feel like we're not, not normal. We're all normal in our ways. We just need to, it, we shouldn't be just kind of 
pushed into a box. We should be more open about it and allowed to talk about it and ask those curious questions than if we do. And then we're just kind of looked like, like, why did you ask those weird questions? Like, it's not a weird question. Like I have a very old um, school doctor. So I already know if I go in to ask him to do this, he'd be like, uh, you're, you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) What? You're too young to like, I just already know his little feel that he spiel. Yeah. The spiel. I love the, there was, um, I really wish I saved this creator. It was from TikTok, and she was literally like, like making a joke out of it, but she's a female. So she would literally go in, Oh, um, doctor I have pain this and the doctor would go yeah it's because you have a uterus and it's like oh like my leg is like you know I broke my leg whatever yeah it's because you have a uterus like it just it completely goes back to either like you're too young it's nonsense or yeah that's because you're a woman and it's normal and I talked about this on my show too and it's like just because a large population of people are experiencing these these symptoms or pain doesn't make it normal and means that there's a really big problem and you can't just keep sweeping it under the rug like like yes i know that because of my anatomy certain things happen but they shouldn't be happening this way so that means that we need to get down to the root of it and there's no down to the root of it it's either a prescription or a pat on the back and out you go yeah 100 percent. and that um, that's coming back to like the health system as well (laughs) it's it's it has a lot of work to do yeah. but like going back to my doctor like when i was suffering from um bronchitis he was like oh you're too young to have that and then i started coughing in his office he's like oh that sounds like bronchitis <laughs> like yeah. just told you really like, yeah <laughs> and he's like how did you get bronchitis at such a young age and i was like <laughs> i don't think it discriminates like <laughs> what <laughs> so i can't whichever um (laughs) it just makes me laugh because that's the thing is that you have to and that's part of the show again we have to be advocate advocates for ourselves for our children and really trying to like educate ourselves in different ways sometimes yeah google's not like always the good place to go you can go down downward spiral but at least it's a starting point somewhere and so you need to start asking yourself where else can i look for um to educate myself Right. Wow. Oh, we've got a comment. Uh, do you want to in- introduce, say hi, Brittany? Hi, Kalem. Is that how you say it? Yes. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> if thanks we got it wrong, please let, let us know. <laughs> thanks, thanks for tuning in, in everyone. <laughs> Hello. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we could talk about this forever. Yes, definitely. But I really wanted to hone in on, before we chat on that because we're, I was just looking at the time that we are already at the 30 minute midway point. Uh, for those who are just tuning in, you're listening to Breaking Norms, Building Dreams. We are live on the United Public Radio Network and the UFO Paranormal Radio Network at 105.3 and 107.7 FM in New Orleans. Uh, yeah, going circling back to my comment because everyone's like, where was Brittany going with this comment about um, education systems because <laughs> we segue <laughs> completely crazy off uh, not crazy off but you know um hi brandon <laughs> that's my <laughs> lovely friend supporting us <laughs> oh amazing i love it when people come in hello everyone um yeah. 
segueing back to the school system, I just really want, it is, it's gotten a lot better and I'm going to learn how it's changed since I've been in the school system. However, there's still the old way <laughs> that is still set. I'm just learning this, uh, that they don't use letter grades, which is very odd to me. I don't know. Does Ontario use letter grades? Um, I think for the, well, last time I checked, I think it was for the elementary grades, but then once you get up to like grade eight and on, I think in my old school, grade eight had um, a combination and then high yeah. school is all percentages. See, I have mixed feelings on this. <laughs> <laughs> tell you. That's great. Okay. I love it. <laughs> At first, like, I'm like, oh, like, maybe I have to always be a perfectionist as like my A's and whatever. But I've been watching so many shows on ADHD. Apparently, that's part of the trigger for um, women is have being like, the perfectionist of steady grades, yes. apparently. Yep. Um, so just, again- I can relate. I can 100% relate, yep. Right? Yep. So I do think having those expectations though of certain letter grades is crazy to me. However, now you're preparing the younger generation, it's not to not care about letter grades, but how are we priming them when they go to university and then all of a sudden- We're not. You have to do- no, I think we've gone backwards now. <laughs> no, we're not because it's so funny. I had a, I have to, just one comment about my education is so I went to school in Burlington, Ontario, mm -hmm. and um, I went to school at a relatively small high school. So I think to me that was a privilege because we didn't have like overcrowded classrooms. And I think we were able to learn really cool subjects, especially in our later uh, mm -hmm. grades. So I had two teachers who were amazing. I think that were actually friends, like not in school. They wouldn't, I don't know if they would say that, but like you can totally tell now as an adult mm -hmm. that they were, and they were, they weren't young teachers by any means. They weren't old, but they were like, they've, they had the experience necessary. So you would, you could go both ways. Like they could have been like really old school. They could have been like, cool and and kind of adapted and they were the two that adapted really well and because they had a lot of grade 12 students they incorporated in their materials the style of learning that you would have had at university which that would those were the only two grades that i experienced that in so while it was crazy that we had you know um, i think his name was mr parnaby loved him he would give us like 60 pages to read and you were like, whoa, but that is that is very typical of what you would receive in university to cut. And he made us get used to that, to be like, OK, don't be scared about the volume, see what it is about, digest it. And he would always give us readings that were higher level than high school. And in that regard, I think they prepared us really well. But I don't think that that was a school wide or school board wide situation. I think they were just really good teachers and that was their passion and those would be like the people that would pick over and over again to be teachers right exactly. yeah it is true there's um many great teachers out there that go above and beyond so going back to a bit my story like even though i've been told i couldn't like be in a lot of different classes or whichever like one teacher for example i remember his name mr materi if you're listening to this <laughs> uh oh <laughs> uh he put on my school record in middle school that I was too dumb to go into calculus. Oh my God. 
right? Seriously? Yeah. And to kid, I kid you not, every kind of point in my schooling, I've always been told I was too dumb to be there. So it's like, no, let's that challenge wild. You're too dumb to be here because I'm going to outsmart you some way, <laughs> you know? That is wild to me. Exactly. And that's the whole point of the show because no one can, no one has the right to tell you that you're dumb, stupid, or whatever. We are all worthy of being wherever we want to be in our life. Oh my God. Um, so hold on. Before you go off, yeah. I just want to point out like, that's what you grew up with. And here you are, a successful entrepreneur. You are in charge of many, many people. You're putting out, you know, a show that will help other people. You're, um, you're involved with the community. You're, how does that, how does that translate into all of those negative, like, feelings that you've had growing up? I think this is wild to me. And you're a perfect example of don't let somebody else like rain on your parade. It's your parade. You make it what you want it to be. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I know there's a lot of neurodiversity individuals, specifically those who have dyslexia, we're very resilient. Um, Studies have shown that. However, it depends. I think it also comes to who is within your system to build you up and bring you down as well. So I think if you're in the right. school system and they're like, you are stupid. And then you're like, oh my goodness. And then you don't have that support system at home. I think you're just going to go in a downward spiral. Um, yeah. I was very fortunate to have a mom to really make sure I had the extra support. We did like so much tutoring. I went to Sylvan, I went to four R's. Like I was constantly working my butt off. And yeah. now I have my degree um, in marketing communications and by the way, I also was told that I shouldn't have a degree in marketing communications because I have dyslexia. And I challenged how does that. that. How does that even, so how, who told you that? I don't want to name names. Oh, no, sorry. Like in your life, like what, what stage was it at? In university. Oh, in university. So like somebody yeah. that was like an official in exactly. university had said that to you. That is wild to me. So yeah. you have an undergrad in marketing and communications. Exactly. Right. I have my diploma, teachers in hospitality, undergrad in marketing communications, and now a certified business coach, imposter syndrome coach. And that's the thing, like, I think that's part of the initiative of the show. Like, we're going to see so many different stories that I'm so excited to bring all these different guests in to really challenge the narrative because we can make our own narrative. So, going back to Mr. Materi, like, I don't mind saying his name. Apparently, (laughs) he's been fired. I've heard for good measures. (laughs) I didn't say that. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, But it's been told that he's what or what I've heard anyways, very, um, very negative person to students. And the thing is, when students are going through the changes of life, like there's just so much change as an individual. And then you're always getting honed down that you're not good enough. Like you can't thrive. So, um, yeah, he put on my record on my school record before I went to high school to put me in essentials. So essentials math. Um, oh, like um, for us, it was different. You mean, so you know how you have different levels of classes? The essentials was the first level, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so he said, make sure you put Brittany in this class. And for whatever reason, I was put in calculus. And I got pulled out by... Um, Mr. Grenis and love him, my favorite math teacher. Right. Uh, 
And actually, I'm really good friends with her, um, his daughter. <laughs> um, and then uh, Mrs. Peru, Mrs. Lu uh, I remember these names. You, you oh really remember that, you know, really supported you. Um, Mrs. Lee yeah. Hu and my mom. And so <laughs> they pulled me out and they're like, we have X, Y, and Z um, on this document. What we want to ask you, what do you want to do? I'm like, I'm staying here in this class because I believe I belong here. Right. Totally. And it, and again, I think this kind of comes down like on the system first, because they're the ones that are, that we're interesting that we're putting your kids into on the system first. And second, as an individual, like as a teacher, if you know that there are certain things that you can't stand or can't deal with in a positive manner, and that's part of your job, Mm -hmm. then you shouldn't be in that job. You're working with really young minds. It is not appropriate. And that that yeah. comes down to um, accountability, like professional, individual self-accountability. I would feel horrible if one of the kids that I used to um, be in charge of at mm -hmm. camp would come up to me 10 years later to be like, you totally told me this and this affected me until like I went to high school or something I'd be like oh my god I'm so sorry you know like I'd be horrified yeah here we have another comment here Brandon is just going to like give us so many comments thank you Brandon. that's okay Go ahead. <laughs> Go. Mr. Curtis my middle school history teacher will always be my favorite love that guy oh, you, you really love you really remember the good teachers like Mrs. Brown yeah. was my grade one teacher uh, Mrs. Uh, Lee, who, who I mentioned, was actually in my middle school. So she in um, they I know they call it something else now, but it's uh, kind of like where you get ex uh, extra help when you need extra learning, extra time to do. I think tests. I think yeah, I think they're all named differently based on the program in the school and whatever else. Yeah. With, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, the Learning Disability Center. Oh, I'm like, okay. That name yeah. needs to be changed because. <laughs> it, again, I, you know, like, it's funny. So my, my perspective will totally be different than yours or the next person's. But my perspective is this, like, I grew up thinking that there was nothing wrong with me. And while that's a comforting thought, I struggled a lot through a lot of different phases. It was never the content. It was how I was going about the studying, the, the reading, the whatever. In high school, it was okay because I feel like it worked with my brain and they were, they were like little bite-sized like pieces. But once I got to university, I, I performed really well uh, where I understood the content. I For the most part, it's great. My, my degree is actually in criminology, sociology, yeah. um, that kind of thing. So there's a lot of reading and a lot of papers. But sitting down and writing those papers, I literally have like PTSD thinking about it. And how, no, but for real, like, and, you know, people talk about students procrastinating and stuff. And I thought that it was always normal. So remember, I grew up with the, with the idea that I, I'm fine. So I must just be lazy or something. Yeah. So I would sit there and I would procrastinate. And I would even say this to my mom. I was like, I'm not even enjoying the time that I'm taking from not doing this. I'm sitting there just like making myself feel horrible thinking that you're just lazy that's why you don't want to start this and here we are thinking that no you just needed to go a different way about it your brain needed dopamine in order to like rev up to do it because yep. once I sat down and did it it was like bam done great check like exactly. you know what I mean 
Yeah, I think it. And that's such an important, thank you for sharing that with all of us. I think that's like such an important conversation to be told, like to start talking more about because I, I was always kind of like, cause we had to give like a yellow piece of paper to our teacher um, to let them know that I need extra support. Like it was this, always the start of the very first of every class. And I had to walk up and give the yellow piece of paper. And In front everyone, of everybody else. In front of everybody. Oh my God. And it's like, how do you, you like to traumatize people. Like, why couldn't you? <laughs> because they're not thinking about it. Exactly. They're just thinking about the process. It's like, oh, how do we let the teachers know? Well, that actually should be an internal process that yeah. you need to deal with. You can't be putting that on the students in front of the other students. And I know there's going to be people in the comments and call us snowflakes and whatever else. But I truly think that when we put these processes into place, mm -hmm. that it's the people that don't have experience with it or don't understand. The moment you said that you had to walk up with a yellow piece of paper, I, I my brain went... All those students know what that piece of paper means. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Right? And then you have to live with it every day. Exactly. And then you're already labeled. Um, because in our school, like I assume too, you had to learn French. Mm -hmm. um, I got out of French because I needed an extra spare block to support me with my studies. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people would question, there's only like two French teachers. I think in the school. So you would know when somebody wasn't in French class too. Right. So it's just kind of like an awkward conversation of like, well, why do you get out of French when we all have to be here? And it's right. like, <laughs> right. there's just no support systems in place that make sense for, for people that need extra help. And I think about this all the time with my kid too. Like yeah. if he ever needed extra help one, how would I recognize it? And that's, that was a big part of my life is like, nobody yeah. recognized it. Nobody like, the people in my life would just kind of mirror what I was saying to myself. It's like, oh, well, you just kind of have to like sit down and do it. Like if it was that easy, do you not think that I'd be sitting down and doing it? Yeah. Like now as an adult, I've learned some coping mechanisms and I've learned how to go about um, making myself, like my brain just get into gear the mm -hmm. moment I want it to. Like when you take initiative, that's when I want my brain to be on. Mm -hmm. And if you're not open enough to understand that, it's not really a disability, it's just a different way of thinking, then you're not going to be the person that's going to understand anything that we're talking about here, right? 100%. And and that's okay. And I'm really glad that you have this show so that you can educate people and, you know, and you, you talked about resilience. I know that you had a question about I'm trying to scroll here to find it because I thought it was good. Um, the how crucial is it for individuals to challenge conventional thinking or societal expectations in carving out a fulfilling career or business? So when I see this question, I think of you as well. Like you're a perfect example of like you were resilient. You, yeah. you dealt with so much crap, right, that was yeah. thrown at you. You were resilient. So you challenged the way that everybody else thought about it. And in a way, I did too. I came from a very strict environment like I worked in law um, it wasn't the best experience I loved the work but not the hierarchy and the people to be honest and it was always like a well like you're just gonna be a clerk anybody that knows like in uh, Ontario you're you're licensed to be a paralegal and the 
how would I explain it? If you ever see a physician's assistant versus a doctor, it's kind of the same. You're allowed to practice in some areas, but not quite fully as a doctor. So I went to school and I got my postgrad on top of my undergraduate degree, even after I swore I was never going back to school. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it. And I did it. And then I was like, okay, now, now what? The conventional way is like, okay, now that you have this degree, like you just have to work as a paralegal for the rest of your life. This, the industry is not built to support paralegals. There are so many of us and like a lot, there was a lot of like, well, we don't want paralegals to be able to practice in family law or whatever. There's a lot of clash between like the lawyers and whatever else. There's some that embrace it, some that don't. And the reason why they put paralegals in place is to alleviate uh, a lot of the legal areas for people who can't afford, right, to get a lawyer or whatever else in these very common situations like landlord and tenant board issues or, you know, yeah. small claims court and whatever. So in yeah. theory, it makes sense, but in practice, it doesn't. So I kind of came out of it being like, so I'm just going to be a clerk for the rest of my life. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but you can be a clerk without going to school and without getting all the certifications and licensing and what, like you have to jump through so many hoops. So then I said, you know what? I'm going to challenge this, like, that's what you went to school for. That's what you are going to become. And it was like, I'm going to work for myself, period. And a lot of people were like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. what are you going to do? And I'm like, if you think that I'm not using the knowledge that I learned from my work experience and school, you're wrong. I'm, yeah, I just, I really like, I really think that um, the world is going to be changing. I keep saying this, especially for the next generation, that there, we're going to see more entrepreneurs than ever. Uh, the regular nine to five is going to kind of switch. I don't know what it's fully going to look like, but yep. we're going to, there's just going to be so many more entrepreneurs out there um, killing it because at the end of the day, if you look at it, like just getting two weeks off throughout the year when you're really always busting your butt, like, cause I used to work in the tech industry and I'm just kind of, I would stay late, bring work home. And then it's just kind of like, you didn't get like acknowledged for it. And it's like, no. why? Am I doing this and busting my butt when nobody really cares? So like I started going down like in a cycle of like depression, really. Right. Because I wasn't being challenged. I was depressed. It was just not a good situation. And luckily I had my daughter and brought me out. And yeah. I'll never go into another nine to five ever again. Because I've realized my brain doesn't work for a nine to five. I'm such an entrepreneur because I love to do so many things. I wear so many hats, but I know how to switch in and out really fast. That's what I'm really good at doing. Um, so, yeah. It's it's job satisfaction. I've said this before, too, in my show. It's like if you don't get job satisfaction, do you really think you're going to last 30 years? Exactly. You're not you're not going to. I, I promise you. And if you do, you're going to be this close to losing your goddamn mind. And yeah. I see this in specific industries. And it's funny, in the legal industry, at least for stats here in Ontario, um, the, for the legal industry, there's a lot of like mental health breakdown, a lot of burnout, a lot of alcohol abuse, a lot of drug abuse, because you're in such high stress situations day in and day out, just mm -hmm. to be able to make a paycheck, pay bills, whatever, that it doesn't Imagine those people being at the top and you working on like your way up from the bottom. Of course, nobody's going to pat you on your back. Of course, nobody's going to like realize what you're doing. They're dealing with their own things. Should that be the case? No. And I always say not everybody that runs a business or is a high level position can be a people manager. 
Yeah. Those are skills that you either have naturally or you, they need to be learned. If you are not in between those, you're not doing something right here. So I also felt the same way. I could not, wasn't getting the satisfaction that I wanted to, even though I knew I was working, I was working my butt off and I really loved law and I really loved like solving pieces or like reacting in an appropriate way to a, a problem you're trying to bring them the solution so mm -hmm. in a way I kind of took that and I made it into now like I'm bringing solutions too do I use certain legal things sometimes yeah I do because they, I can navigate the systems that are in place but that's mm -hmm. that was my experience too it's like why would I be sitting here for 30 years if I'm not getting anything out of it right exactly and I want to just challenge anyone who are employers listening because they so, um, I just had this conversation with somebody else and they're like, <clears throat> Brittany, I like your model, but your subcontractors or majority of people who are subcontractors probably won't be long-term employees. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm going to challenge that right there. Mm -hmm. They are happy because they're actually mm -hmm. doing what they want to do. They're telling you how many hours they want to work. Uh, they're working on the thing that they want to specialize on. You're probably going to have somebody long, more long term as a subcontractor than an employee. I agree, hundred <laughs> percent. And it's hard for the people that are in the traditional nine to five like employer mentality mm. because there's a lot that's happened since COVID, and we had like the you know the great resignation, <laughs> and then we had this boom in the market where all of these employees were looking for jobs, but they weren't accepting any because mm -hmm. the market hadn't caught up with what it is. Mm -hmm. Because think about it this way. Why would you tie yourself down to somebody that where you may get a 2% raise every year, you are going to be told what hours to work, you're going to be told exactly what to do, and you have to conform. You potentially might have to conform to the business needs because that's what an employee does. So if somebody leaves, somebody you have to pick up extra things, you have to do whatever. Yeah. When you can be choosing your own hours, choosing what you want to work on, um, having if you're good at making connections, you can make connections very easily and get jobs immediately. Right. Mm -hmm. And you get to be home with your kids when you want to. And you get to take vacation when you want to. I don't have to ask a soul if I need to book off a week. Not a soul. Do you know how freeing that is to me? <laughs> I, I know. I can relate 100%. Two little yeah. ones, like you need, and also we have no before or after school care for kindergarten. Right. Right. She, uh, my daughter's still on the wait list. So this, the piece of flexibility, but then also being knowing that you don't have to really not that you don't have to answer anyone because you have your clients, of but course. it's you just know that you've built the foundational business that has made you happy and you can thrive. And I really think the way of the world that like I keep saying this and I will keep saying this is will consistently change because we already see it with a lot of um, youth who now are like influencers and all the things on yeah. YouTube and all, you know, like we're just on the up and up of change. And to be honest, as an entrepreneur who is also neurodivergent and can't say nine to five, I'm excited to see the change because it's about time that we transition into this kind of life. And even for those who are nine to five, like it'd be nice to see, like, I think it's in Switzerland. It's four days a week. Yeah. Italy. 
um, Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday. I can't remember. I believe they have majority of them like the Friday. So they have like yeah. the extra weekend and then um, even shorter days. It's not like a full nine to five day. It is a nine to three. And right. stats have shown they're more productive. So what are we doing over here? In- <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's honestly wild. It's just the way that um, I, I associate it with like your manager being over your shoulder. So I recently saw a video where this millennial, I guess, went up to, um, was, I guess it was the boomer age yeah. uh, boss and was saying, was putting forward a proposal for a four day week and the boss was just like, well, what are you going to do with the extra day? It's like, well, no, no, like you need to worry about the four days. The other day is for me, right? Yeah, like, yeah but what are you going to do? It's like, it doesn't matter. I can get this work done that's been assigned to me in four days. So the same value for the same pay. I just mm-hmm. don't have to be here next year. And it was just such a mind blowing concept for the boss that was just like, no, no. Right. It's just, it's kind of like holding you back from progress just depends on who they are, what their mindset is. And we talk a lot too in my show too about mindset and about learning from failure, but also learning from what's coming up. So I have this fear that as an entrepreneur that works with other people that has to oversee other people, that I'm going to become one of those people that doesn't listen to a better way of doing things or that's not always in tune with what the team is thinking. So I'm terrified of that. And I'm always going to try and, and be like, okay, be honest, what's going on? Tell me, how can we do this better? Right. But unfortunately, not everybody is like that. No. And again, going back to the like full circle from our conversation from not to judge. However, I think we need to come from the the stance of two. Uh, We need to kind of ask more curious questions and just not assume. Um, but with that, we're almost at the end of our first show at Breaking Norms, Building Dreams. I'm so excited that Adriana came in here to help and support me um, because I'm not going to lie, I was so nervous. <laughs> you see me swirling on it's my fun. chair. <laughs> I was just saying to Adriana before we jumped in here, I, this is probably the worst chair for somebody who has ADHD because I'm like, oh, me. I do that too. I just kind of like turn. <laughs> fidgeting over here a little bit, That's trying not hilarious. to. But yeah. Adriana, thank you so much for coming in on my first show. I would love to have you back on many more, obviously. And thank you for our listeners um, and the comments that came in. And I also a big thank you for the United Public Radio Network and UFO Paranormal Radio Network. Come in next week at I have Nicole coming in and we're chatting about navigating the coaching landscaping and spotting the red flags. Uh, Now go on your unique journey and you'll know that your worth is priceless. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.